Um, yeah, there's, you know, it could be minor, could be more major, could not be a fracture at all. It looks more like, like a little and of hairline. Course, what we're not talking about is Travis Kelsey's ankle. We are talking about your kneecap, which uh, you are so old, Tim, that uh, you have found a way to fracture it. But can you walk on it? Like, are, are you questionable for this podcast or are you doubtful? You know what I mean? Should I ask the uh, the Twitter docs what they're going to say? Um, I am on crutches for precautionary <laughs> so measures, old. but I can't. You're can, so old. <sighs> I can. Uh, that, the concern is that if it is an actual hairline fracture, that. Uh, Putting pressure on it and twisting until I can get it evaluated could cause it to become wow. a bigger deal. Uh, but I'm just walking around the house on it because, you know, I'm terrible at listening to advice. And when the the doctor gave me the crutches, I said, all right, thank you. Uh, how often <laughs> should I use these? And I'm not kidding. She turned deadpan and just stared at me until I came to my own realization as to what that answer is. I'm like, oh. Well, I mean, time? I hate to tell okay, you this, but you. I don't know if, <laughs> if you know that if you listen to Dolphins mating, actually, there's studies and it surely can help speed up the healing process. Uh, one, Aaron Rodgers uh, knows all about that. That's why, you know, traditional medicine would have had him in a boot for six weeks, but he was in a shoe in 13 days. So, Tim, just whatever, whatever, Mr. Ayahuasca, just Tim, just do ayahuasca. That's all you got to do. <laughs> the, the kneecap is just in your brain anyways, Tim. It's nothing. All right, let's go. The... <laughs> Oh, boy. That's not good. Season 4, Episode 5 of Stats of Matter. The Curious Case of Russell Carrington Wilson. NFL Week 5. Tim, I'm really getting tired of these primetime snooze fests, okay? When you're old and you stay up all day and you watch an 8 o'clock game and you're not on the West Coast, all right? That shit goes to 11.30. And if I got to stay up to 11.30 to watch the 13-17 game again, I'm going to have problems. Especially because it's not a good defensive select fest. Look, we're going to give some well-earned flowers to the Detroit Lions. And in our cups this week, it's an Italian pilsner from Framingham, Mass, from some lager masters. And you got a whiskey from Lebanon or Lebanon. I don't know how to pronounce that. Not the country, so. <laughs> Lebanon or Lebanon? Lebanon. That's an old Bob Lebanon Bobby joke. You know, you should put an N in it then. Uh, anyway, follow us okay. on Instagram at Stats No Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. I'm going to continue to say Twitter. It's fucking Twitter. Uh, for all things beer and sports. And find stats no matter wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the show. Let's go. You probably are in just so much pain with this fractured kneecap. Um, mm. So why don't you just go ahead and, you know, take a good old <laughs> swig off the medicine bottle like back in the day. <laughs> and tell us about this whiskey you got from Lebanon, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, before before I get into that, I was in uh, looking to see what I was going to uh, dabble uh, in tonight. And I stumbled across this on my way in there, uh, which for those of you not watching, because you can't, because this is a recorded podcast, uh, it's a little uh, nip that I got at a wedding. Uh, so shout out Mr. and Mrs. Yee. Yee. For this little mini tequila bottle. We're just gonna, you know, tack on some cough medicine. My my kneecaps are now beginning to hurt. I too have pressure kneecap. This 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 podcast is questionable for Thursday night. Oh. <laughs> <Ooh. Ooh. laughs> um <clears throat> I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give that one some some extra love because it was nostalgic. <laughs> but that's a that's a solid three and a half out of ten. 
Damn! What is it? Um, is it like military special? Is it come out of the plastic uh, bottle they just poured into another plastic bottle? I, I don't even know. It is, it is definitely plastic. It just says tequila. Love you, bitch. No? And plastic. you know what? Anyone? Pop culture? This is, how, this is how dumb I am. When we first got these at the wedding, I thought there was a spelling mistake on there. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that it's not, but they either misspelled because or they spelt it because b e a c a u s e and knowing why key that was probably on purpose be a cause be a cause <laughs> because because all right um all right for real though uh i'm going to drink this yellowstone handpicked collection uh, can we this... can we put the yellowstone theme music on top of this episode without getting sued or cease and desist i've never seen it so oh sure uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I picked up two bottles of this randomly because I loved the bottle design and the label. Uh, I gave one bottle away and I never opened this other one and it's been hanging out for about a year, give or take. Um, and I was really looking for something I hadn't tried yet for today or hadn't opened yet or hadn't had any variation of before. So we get a little fresh start. So this, this is the one. Probably shouldn't have destroyed my palate with that terrible tequila. Um, but knee pain, okay? Um, <clears throat> so this one's actually a store pick from Liquor Depot, which is just down the road from my house. Uh, not the wine and liquor warehouse that I assist sometimes with. This one uh, It's just a barrel program they have. They have a fantastic barrel program. Shout out to them once a year. Uh, you can enter lottery for a chance to buy some of the more sought-after whiskeys uh, for cost instead of the normal 300 to 800% markup you get on secondary for a lot of the stuff around here. Um, this is not one of those. This is just the normal standard uh, single-barrel store pick you can get uh, at a lot of different places. It's not a inexpensive bottle, um, so I'm hoping I'm hoping it doesn't suck. Uh, this one is 115 proof and was bottled or barreled in March of 2017. Wow. All right. All right, then. Give it a shot. Hmm. Smells great. Doesn't smell for 115 proof. Doesn't have like a, a, a whiskey bite to it. And it for anybody curious if it changes in the bottle for after sitting for a year. Uh, no, it won't because there's no introduction of air. I literally peeled the the wrapper off of it before I popped the cork. So no new air in here. This is how it was bottled, and it smells very smooth. Not a lot of bite to it, but. This one's It's interesting There's not a I'm probably making a lot of mouth noises right now I'm sorry You are uh, yeah, Quite a bit <laughs> uh, Aren't you supposed to Aerate it in your mouth or something No I don't I don't think that's the thing I've not been to Lebanon Kentucky But I don't think they would tell you The Leban, Lebanonians of Kentucky mm. Would tell you to do that 
All right, so it's got a little bit more heat to it than the the nose would lead on, but not a lot. I would put I would put this up there with like a um, a little book, uh, the the Booker's like the <clears throat> sort of the more mild version, or maybe even like a seventeen ninety two foolproof. Um, where it's got that initial bite, it's not as smooth as something that's been aged longer. I was trying to see if it said on here how long it was aged, and I don't, I don't see it anywhere. My guess, it's probably somewhere along the five-year range. We need a we need a guy. We need a producer to look this stuff up for us while we're while we're mid show. Um, hey Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Okay, so it, it's very good. It's got like a nice little sweet start to it before that burn kicks in. It has a little bit of like a raisiny sort of um, prune type flavor to it. You get kind of right off the bat. And then it gives a little like vanilla cinnamon, which is bizarre because that's not normally how I would describe any of my whiskeys. And then it's immediately overpowered by that that finish on the back end. But... I feel like, I feel like, so you get a little black licorice too. So like as it sits in the glass, it's, it's kind of evolving a little bit as it warms up, getting a little air in this, but this is obviously the first air it's, it's breathed in forever. Um, God damn, dude. It like suffocating. Let's go. Yeah. 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 It, uh, it, it keeps evolving a little bit and has a little of this like black licorice taste to it. Um, which I have mixed feelings about because I don't like black licorice, but in this particular scenario, that kind of pruny, raisiny sort of beginning to it mellows it out a little bit. Um, it's good. I'm going to give this one a 7-1. Seven, 7-1. One. Seven, one. All right. All right. Yeah. Don't hate it. <clears throat> All right. I, got, I don't hate uh... it. It's not, the, it's not the worst one I've ever had. Uh, I will gladly drink the rest of that bottle. You know, usually you open one you're not a big fan of, you turn it into a... Uh, like your cocktail drink or your old fashioned. Nah, this one. This, I'm gonna enjoy this one. Just make sure that uh, you follow doctor's orders and uh, use your crutches and uh, enjoy that uh, 7.3 responsibly. Uh, I have Bella Lago C, which is Dracula. <laughs> uh, Bella Lago, which is an Italian style pilsner from Jack's Abbey. Now, Tim, last week I said yeah you had to have heard of new glarus and you didn't so i mean i gotta i gotta admit i'm pretty sure you've heard of jack's abbey but if you haven't now's the time mm. yeah that that i have okay um if you've never heard of them before jack's abbey does loggers that's it that's their thing rustic loggers fooder loggers dry hop loggers smoke uh, loggers smoke loggers like they're ridiculous they're so good everything rice loggers i saw on the shelf the other day uh, we, we just recently started getting it down here in Virginia, and I'm very happy about that. This is a perfect, perfect episode for this beer because it's like it's just beginning to get like annoyingly cold here, like 50s in the morning. We get it to like 70, you know, in the sun during the day, but it's like, you know, low 50s, high 60s. This is a, this is a real pain in the ass here in Virginia. This is like absolutely like I'm holding on what I had an Oktoberfest, but I've already been having my fair share of Oktoberfest, and it's probably bringing on the fall weather, but. Italian-style Pilsner, Jack Savvy. Okay. The translation of his name is Beautiful Lake, which captures our inspiration, the Italian-style Pilsner. Dry hop with a blend of noble and American hops. The Pilsner is bright and hoppy with an assertive bitterness and dry finish. 
I could probably have like 40 of these. Okay. But lies. Go f- Okay, all right. 9. I probably have 9 of them, okay? <laughs> go find Jack Sabby. Seriously. I think the thing that I like the most about Italian prisoners um I didn't know that the Italians made beer like that. Cuz you know, I got to be honest, I had Peroni. Shit ain't good. But I'll have it in an Italian restaurant cuz it's the only thing on there unless they got something else. A lot of, a lot of floral notes. Love it, absolutely love it. Fifteen sips, everyone knows the rules. Oh, you know the the thing I love the most, and true beer beer fans are gonna hate me for saying this, but to me, an Italian come here, come here, an Italian pilsner. Is what a session IPA should be, okay? It is clear. It tastes like a bottle of weed juice, and it has a ton of flavor, but none of the calories. So go get Italian Pilsners, okay? They're amazing. Breath is going to smell like I ate a whole bunch of weeds the rest of the night, but that is okay. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Nice and bright. Very effervescent on the palate, and not a lot of breadiness. Sometimes you get that, but this is pretty good. So, I really like this. I'm going to give this a, a 4-1 for sure. This is going to be good. Nice. Okay. That's what's in our cups this week. Let's get into this football thing, Tim. Last yeah, week, yeah, I was giving yeah. you shit. I was saying, oh, my God, you only got one right. And then I fucked around and only got one right this year, uh, this episode, if you will, this week. So, let's start off, Tim. Patriots Saints, yeah. you took the L. I went back and listened to the previous episode today. Um, I understood what you were saying. Mm-hmm. However, none of that came to fruition, and your boys have mm-hmm. now been outscored by 72 points to six or something like that over the last two weeks. Back-to-back weeks, 35 points being given up. What the hell is happening? Uh, I mean, the, the Patriots are just bad. They're, they're very bad. Um, their O-line is terrible. Uh, the offense is unable to get anything going, and the moment they have any type of momentum, they find a way to shoot themselves in the foot, and they give the ball away. Uh, they've scored three, and I mean three. Yep, one, two, three. three. End of story. Points in the last two games. Uh, it's their biggest shutout loss since 1972. Bill Belichick's second largest loss of his career. Uh, second only to the ass whooping they took last week against the Cowboys. Yep. Uh, so it's not a. Uh, it's it's not. It's not adding up for anybody. Um, I keep trying to help make a case for Mac Jones, and in my opinion, maybe some potential mishandling. I know not everybody is in that same boat. Um, He shows signs of promise, and then it all just kind of goes to shit. Uh, He had 156 yards total. He had two interceptions. One ended up going back as a uh, pick six, uh, and he only had 12 completions. So this team is officially washed or dusted, as the kids say. Uh, <laughs> and this it wasn't even like the Saints had a stellar game. They had a relatively pedestrian game. Um, Carr finished with only 183 yards. He had two passing touchdowns which is tied for the 
entire season so far. He had two touchdowns coming into this game. This is just the Pats completely mailing it in and stinking up the place. Their defense is their only saving grace, but there's only so much you can do on a team where your offense just cannot stay on the field. Yep. Anytime they've had sustained drives or they've had plays where they look great, every single time it ultimately ends up getting turned over, whether it's a fumble or a pick. And I, and I need to make sure that we're all clear and that this is not solely on Mac Jones. Takes the brunt of all this. The dude is constantly under pressure. Uh, he's always dealing with people in his face. If he's not getting the ball out within the first like three seconds of the snap, he's having difficulties because his O-line can't stop anybody. There's a picture from floating around, I think it was last week, the week before, of him standing there, and all of his linemen are chasing players that are coming after him. Yes. And it's just not sustainable. You just can't do that, especially with somebody uh, who's struggling the way that he is. And some of that is, I mean, he's basically starting from scratch, right? Because you had the, the weird makeshift offensive coordinator roles over the last two years. He finally has an offensive coordinator who's proven and had a lot of success. So it's almost as if he's getting a, a new start. But, man, the team they built around him is garbage. I questioned uh, the signing of Ezekiel Elliott because I didn't understand why a guy past his prime was going to get signed. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster was another one uh, I had questioned because... He's another player that's past his prime. And if you look at the output for either of those two players, they're not doing anything, nothing. So Zeke isn't contributing at any level, any game so far. I mean, not that Stevenson is blowing anybody away, but at least he's had more production when he's given the opportunity. Both of those guys finished for a combined uh, 45 yards on the day. So... They only had eight attempts apiece, so it's not like we were just not handing the ball. I mean, it's just they didn't have possession long enough to really do anything about any of this. Um, we thought we were going to see Kendrick Bourne get worked in a little bit better. We thought we were going to see some more from the passing game. Uh, Bourne had two catches on the day for 43 yards. That was it. Uh, the only person with more catches was Elliott, and that's because those little out routes or the, the little pitches behind the line of scrimmage count as passes, and yep. he finished with four. So, ah, this team is in in trouble, and before everybody says, well, zappy, 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 zappy is not the answer to this, this team. They need to either just accept what they are and just use the regular, the rest of the season as a way to iron things out and try some new things or but Belichick's not going to tank. I know everyone's calling for Belichick's and the game's passed him by. It may have. If you look statistically at Bledsoe and Brady, they're not that far off in terms of what their first three seasons look like. It's really, really close. Uh, Bledsoe of the three had more completed yardage. He had uh, a few more touchdowns, but not by a wide margin. I would say probably uh, maybe 100 more yards than the other two. But if you look at him and Brady side by side, 
it's almost identical. The problem is the football game is not the same as it was when those two guys started. I mean, Brady was, what, 18 years ago, 20 years ago, something crazy. It's wild uh, to think about, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and Bledsoe was even later than that. So it's a, it's a different look, and the look of this game and the way he's playing doesn't pass the eye test either. You, you still hope for the kid. He's shown a couple little flashes in the pan. I hate to say it. I'm just kind of jumping on board. I think he just needs a fresh start somewhere else with some more weapons and an offensive line, and I don't think the Pats can be able to do that with any trades or anything this season. It's unfortunate, but uh, it's weird to see such a regression. If you want to talk about regression, though, talk about regression to the mean, because I said, hey, you know, when the Texans losing to the Falcons, the Texans scored four field goals, one touchdown. Desmond Ritter threw a touchdown. After, I mean, he must have listened to the podcast when I said that he couldn't throw. <laughs> Uh, and he also ran another one in, Drake London, six uh, six catches, 65 yards. Uh, Kyle Pitts, who was on the waiver wire pretty much everywhere in fantasy, decided to have 80 yards. Okay, so, I mean, goddamn. Like, I hate that I got the pick wrong. I Going back, I, I, I still picked the same game. I, I think of all the teams that have rookie quarterbacks this year, the Texans, and that's why I gave an impassioned speech last week about it, the Texans are they're on the right way. Uh, that being said, the Falcons have one of the softest schedules in the world. And the Falcons might fuck around and win like nine or ten games. They're in the <laughs> NFC South. There's no Brady there, right? Uh, so the Carolina Panthers aren't great. Saints just thumped a team. Buccaneers are decent right now, we think. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Last second field goal for Young Way Koo. Just got to give it up. That's greatness. You know, going out there. You got to do what you got to do. Falcons fans, please hear me when I say this. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. Get your motherfucking owner off of the field and the sideline in like the last two minutes of the game. Okay. Every time I used to see Arthur Blank come down from the box and be on the sideline, and I get it. He wants to be around the action. Okay. Either sit down there the whole time or don't come down. Because every time he came down, like in the Super Bowl, remember during the Super Bowl, the 28 to 3 Super Bowl, he came down and he and his wife were like holding hands and he got more and more morose as the game went on because he saw it slipping away. Like every time he comes down there, bad things happen. Now, this is the first time he didn't. So maybe he, you know, got the, the bad juju out of there, but dude, you gotta, stay shake, in the box. You gotta shake the monkey, man. Stay in the box, man. Stay in the box. Uh, Broncos jets. I, I was so ready to drag you about getting this one wrong. And you were correct. I was correct. Um, the, the Brees Hall train is back on track, and not only on track, but picking up speed. He had 190 yards total from scrimmage. 177 of those and a touchdown came on the ground. His star continues to climb each week. Uh, I actually made a bet at the start of the season with a, a guy in one of the other leagues that I'm in that he would finish as their premier starting back and have more yardage, more touchdowns, everything across the board than Cook. I literally got laughed at that whole thing. Uh, well, I was a little nervous. Like we're a quarter Working of the way through now. the season. Yeah, we're uh, we were a quarter of the way through the season. It kind of alternated a little bit, but I I don't think there's any looking back right now. I mean, some of this is a new guy in the league. There's no tape. You don't know what he's capable of. You're you know blah 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 blah. But the guy's a yardage machine, averaging eight yards per carry, and most of those runs were like beautiful, very pretty runs. You kind of got to see unfold as you watch them, which is uh, which is always fun to watch. You're like, oh, I see it. Here it goes. He's gonna go for a, a big breakout. Um, 
Zach Wilson finally had himself a little bit of a game. It's the second highest points in the game since the Dolphins game last year. Uh, he didn't put up superstar numbers, but he was constantly driving the ball. He was making some pretty nice, very accurate throws. He had a 37-yard dime at one point where you were like, oh, shit, okay, maybe there's a, maybe there's a little bit of hope. He still had a pick, so that streak is still going. I think he's had a pick in four of the five games so far this season. Um, but it wasn't like a, a terrible outing. Not that the Broncos are a fantastic team. I mean, this is another big oof. I just saw was it ESPN or or one of the one of the big sports sites just put out their ranking, and mm-hmm. I think the Broncos were like thirty-two, thirty-two. Yeah. Yep. Yahoo um, added it. I read what someone on Yahoo earlier today. It was thirty-two out of thirty-two. Right. I think. Uh, I think ESPN had them twenty-nine. I, I don't remember the exact. I know they were like one above the Patriots, which yeah. uh, I would make an argument that that's probably fair. The Patriots are, are pretty <laughs> pretty bad. Um, but man, at Russ. He had a decent game. He had 198 yards. He had two passing touchdowns. But you couldn't get over the Jets. Like the Jets, which yeah. everyone have been, you know, land-based thing this the whole time about how bad they are. And Zach Wilson's not the guy. He might be the second most hated guy in the league behind Mac Jones. So, uh, yeah, this one was this one was an interesting game. I I, I have felt the Jets are going to make a little bit of a turn. They seem to be rallying behind. Zach Wilson, which is uh, a funny little development I wasn't anticipating. Um, But the locker room comes out and defends him when he's on the sidelines. uh, And you got, you know, I'm sure you know there's cameras on you all the time. But last week when he had that turnover late in the game, he was on the sidelines being like, that's that's on me. I lost us this game. And instead of his teammates, like, putting him down or whatever, they came over and, you know, tried talking him off of it where, like, Hunter Henry, uh, for the Patriots, you could see him visibly frustrated on the sidelines when he was wide open again, mm-hmm. and Jones decided to throw uh, another interception. So, I don't know. We might... Do I think he's going to be a, a superstar quarterback? No. Do I think he's going to turn out to be something that's somewhat serviceable, depending on who they're playing? Yeah, and this is the kind of game you can kind of rally around, because a 31-21 win over a team like the Broncos, which... I would say is is probably on par with with where you guys should be at. It's pretty good. You'll take whatever wins you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of wins, I definitely didn't get one when I picked uh, Eagles Rams. I will just say up front, losing a game twenty three to fourteen against a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, when you have three good pieces on offense, Cooper Cup's back. You got a guy named Puka Nakua from BYU who's just Got five. He's he has the second most yards in the NFL behind Tyreek Hill. Okay, the team should not be winning a lot of games, right? They thumped my Seattle Seahawks week one, and they've been playing much better ever since. The game was a lot closer than I think the final score looked, and I just I put in the notes here, dude, I almost had you. Like you know, rest in peace, uh, Brian O'Connor from the Fast and Furious. Right? You never had me. You never had your car. That's what the NFL said. They said, no way, dude. The Rams are not going to win this game. The Eagles are going to. Like, the Eagles and the 49ers are by far and away the two best teams in the NFC, and they might be the two best teams in the NFL. They're both undefeated. They're the only two undefeated teams 
And the Eagles, when they need to score points via the air, they can. When they need a tush push, which is I, I didn't I didn't come up with that. Everyone else did. When they get on the goal line, they need to just take Jalen and just push him over the goal line. That's what they do. If they need DeAndre Swift to run for 14 million yards a game, they'll do that. You know, they have, no joke, they have like six or seven running backs. They have a bevy of wide receivers. It's very clear that they're prepared in case the injury bug bites, which it hasn't yet. So there isn't much else you can say about the Eagles at this point except like until they prove otherwise, they're going to win, which means I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to pick them. Because <laughs> when I do, it'll probably go back the other way. But speaking of big wins, mm. Sunday night football, Niners Cowboys, the hashtag fuck Dallas game from uh, George Kittle. And to be honest, I'm looking forward to the potential fine that the league is going to put on him for showing that shirt uh, during the game and the FTC fine that they're going to pay. And I just, I see Kittle just happily paying the fine. What happened yeah. in this game? Did I um I didn't see so I watched most of this game. I didn't see that, but you know what I I saw um in the Raiders game was it Crosby had like a stellar mm-hmm. game. Yes. Turns and oh, looks on at the, the sideline. camera and drops <laughs> yeah. like a big he just says, looks at the camera, waits a second, and then just says, fuck. And then smiles and looks away. It was like yep. I'm going to swear so you stop paying attention to me. I don't know what that was. but I, I was shocked that it happened. I actually paused the game, and I said, Chels, 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 watch this. And she goes, what? I rewound it, and then he played it again. She was like, <gasps> like yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was uh, an ass whooping that I don't know if anybody saw coming. And, you know, if you're Jimmy G, you got to feel pretty bad about yourself a little bit because you got bledsoed. Right out of San Fran with your with your injury, yeah. But I mean, the the second coming of Tom Brady coming out of California. All right, won't go that far, but forty two to ten over a team that I've been saying I thought was uh, a deep playoff contender and might flirt with a Super Bowl contention. I did not look at all like that was the case. Uh, The Forty Niners are quietly sneaking out with some of the better offense uh, than most of the league. Like, this is some of these numbers in terms of, like, touchdowns and and conversions and whatnot are up there with what we're seeing out of the Dolphins. It's their 15th straight regular season win, 8th straight game with 30 points dating back to last year. Uh, Brock Purdy, which you thought might be, like, a small little... Flash in the pan last year, yeah, uh, is a stud. Like, there's no other way to say it. And he's super efficient. He's not putting up these big gaudy numbers where you're looking and he's completing, you know, 45 passes and and whatnot. He's picking his targets and he's picking them well. He hits. It, it took 17 completions out of 24 tries to get 252 yards, four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He is now 10 and 0. As a starter in the regular season, it's ridiculous. Which is right and now. I mean, you got you have some weapons, but like Christian McCaffrey is always going to be a staple. He only had 51 yards, but he had a touchdown. It's his 14th straight game with a touchdown, so you know that's going to be reliable. But Kittle comes and goes. He's on one of my fantasy teams, and mm-hmm. I'll get like three to four points out of him some weeks, and then like this week, I had him on my bench. 
and he's and he got three touchdowns, a total of sixty-seven yards. Like, I think I don't think this is, this is going to be his output for every single game. I think this might be maybe somewhat strategic because he only had three receptions on the day. Uh, it's going to be one of those like where they're going to pick and choose when they're going to utilize him. So from a fantasy perspective, I don't necessarily feel bad. I mean, anytime you have someone on your bench that scores you a bunch of points, that hurts. But I'm not confident in putting him in again next week because all the all the teams are going to do are, are they're going to look to to maybe guard him a little bit more. Maybe they got a little lax this game because his output has been garbage all season. Um, but this game was a very impressive looking game visually. Their defense was impressive. Dak Prescott was constantly under pressure. He was sacked, uh, I think, more than a handful of times. He went 14 to 24, hit 153 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions, which is yeah, very, very tough thing to overcome. I've always said he's good for an interception. He's always good for a turnover of some kind. Thought he was doing a little bit better job taking care of the ball. This is this may have something to do uh, with playing the Niners and the Niners being able to play against him because he's had six interceptions in the last three games versus the Niners, uh, and that goes back into the playoffs. So there is something there about how the Niners play this team in particular. Old school Cowboy-Niners rivalry, you know, it is what it is. But the Cowboys allowed more points in this game. Uh, than they had the entire first four games this season combined. So this is just an epic collapse that met with uh, a, a stellar performance and not perfect, but like a near-perfect performance. And they executed everything they needed to do on the Niners' side. Um, and you handed the Super Bowl contenders a 32-point loss. It's their largest since 2013 when they also lost by 32 points to uh, to the Saints. So... This is one of those that could be jarring for a team like the Cowboys and like the bounce back is going to be the most difficult part in all of this to see how they adjust and, and come back. But I mean, if I'm moving money around on the table, hmm. I just may have inched it a little further over to the Niners side of the, of the table because this team looks like a, a real contender. Yeah. They they really do. I think that's that's the most frustrating part. Uh, Carlos, a friend of mine, he's always like, "Oh, we're three and zero, we're four and zero." I'm like, "Whatever, you guys don't play anyone." And then like, just keep putting up highlights. He's like, "When are you gonna talk about the Niners?" I'm like, first of all, it's hashtag fuck the Niners forever." So I'm not gonna talk positively about them. So this is not me talking positively about them. Look at me, look at me. I'm not talking positive. Okay. Um, I, I got you, Carlos. They they got they have a fantasy football team. Mm. They have uh, a Swiss Army knife and Christian McCaffrey. They have a quarterback who doesn't need to throw it 82 times a game. They have a tight end who loves a chip block. He's generally a WWE superstar on the field. They have a defense that has very few holes. The only thing I can say negative about the Niners is that defensively, they've not really been tested, right? Because their their line and their linebacker core is so good, we don't really know what the secondary is capable of giving up or not. So I don't think they're they're going to get a chance to boat race a lot of teams, though, because when you get that many turnovers and get points, it's very difficult to uh, to worry about those things, but uh, whatever. Way to go, Niners. Uh, Cardinals Bengals. This is the only dub I got this week. I'm very happy about it. 
because I watched part of this game where it was uh, not close, okay, when it was uh, just single digits, and I'm just sort of like, why has the Bengals not woke up and just, why are they trading blows with Josh Dobbs? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, Bengals defense got interception, uh, pick six in the second quarter. Next thing you know, Jamar Chase. Fuck it, Jamar down there somewhere, 63-yard pass. Uh, he already had a two-yard score earlier in the game. Then he had another one for the right for three yards. I guess if you want, you just got to tell people on live TV, fuck it, I'm open, I'm always open. And I guess that's what works in today's uh, offensive uh, prowess here. They were never really in danger of losing the game. Um, Arizona never really came closer than 10 points. And I, I got to admit, I didn't think the, 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 that the Cardinals would be good at all, right? They're 1-4 right now. They're, they are a bad team, but they're putting up a lot of points. Josh Dobbs is slinging it. He looks mostly competent. The defense is doing okay. Jonathan Gannon as a rookie coach, like, you know, as a head coach, like, yeah, he's got some cringeworthy moments, but don't all these head coaches, you know what I mean? So that being considered, like, yeah, you you lose by two touchdowns to a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. That seems normal, right? That seems like what would happen. Uh, Seattle has Cincinnati next. Um, it's a 1 p.m. game. It's in Cincinnati. If you remember uh, probably five, six years ago, uh, Seattle lost a game in overtime underneath the Legion of Boom when uh, a field goal bounced off of... <laughs> the uprights, and when Neil deGrasse Tyson explained it, it was because of the Coriolis effect. So, uh, you know, I don't really like the fact that they're going back into Paul Brown Stadium. Not happy about it. Pete is nearly undefeated in those, uh, those, those games, but the Bengals waking up, I mean, everyone said, don't worry, they start slow, they're going to pick it up. And you're like, I don't know. Three touchdown game for Jamar Chase. Okay, let's, let's keep our pants on here, folks. Let's, let's, let's see him, you know, put it in back-to-back weeks, and we will, we will see what ends up coming of that. So, this week, you, two points, me, one, all-time. You got six. I got eight. You are closing the gap. So let's go into next week's slate of games, week six. Tim, what is your first game, and who are you picking? I'm going to try and bang through some of these pretty quick because uh, some of these are just going to be throwing lawn darts, right? Um, I said every week I'm going to go Raider. I mean, uh, I'm going to go whatever the, the Pats game is. So I'm going to go... Pats Raiders, uh, this one is uh, turning into a battle of the bad again. Uh, Jimmy G needs to be operating pretty much exclusively in the two-minute offense because otherwise what, what consistently is going to happen uh, or, or what tends to happen regularly is that uh, they fall behind. He goes into that two-minute drill. And then he's able to come out and perform very well. He has to be quick, under pressure, hair on fire, and he seems to bounce back. Um, this, I think, is going to be maybe one of the final straws for Mac or Belichick or, or something in that structure because these guys line up almost perfectly across the board. Neither one of them has to stand out in... Uh, either category they're both built the same way with mediocre offenses and and great defenses Um, most of the statistics as you work your way down the season rankings are within uh, a place or two of each other all the way from like passing yards per game new england's 18th 
The Rams are 17th rushing yards per game. New England's uh, 26th. Las Vegas is 32nd. On the defensive side, uh, both passing and rushing, uh, New England is 6th and 16th, where the Raiders are 11th and 23rd. So there's nothing here that's going to jump out as uh, a major gap between the two of them. This game is going to be a messy, close game, probably low scoring. Obviously, they both rank uh, 29th and 32nd in points scored per game um, with the Pats averaging 11 and the Raiders averaging 15. So this could be one of those where one of these two teams has a little bit of a breakout. I don't think so. This is going to turn into a defensive matchup, probably won by uh, a couple field goals. Probably uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we were looking at double digit scores by any of this. I don't expect it to be the most entertaining football unless you are a uh, diehard football fan. Um, and I think the pains me, but I think the Raiders are going to take this one. I, I was I was leaning Pats and some sort of adjustment, but I have zero confidence. So this is the only one I'm going to break down at any length because the rest of these are all going to be kind of shots in the dark because I got I got to cover some ground here. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh but you're not gonna you're not gonna do that because I got some. I <laughs> see what you're doing, Tim, and I'm throwing some earlier ones too. Broncos, Chiefs, Thursday night football. We're going to talk about the Broncos here in a minute as a team that we need to take stock of from a negative sense, but uh, Chiefs slumping. Divisional matchup. Get right opportunity. Uh, Travis Kelsey's ankle is not twisted. The Taylor curse is not real. Uh, and the Broncos do not have it at the moment. Chiefs. Bigly. Uh, <clears throat> this one I'm only picking because you said Tampa Bay had a decent team. I don't think they have a decent team. They're three and one, but they've been skating by with some last minute heroics. They've been uh finding ways to to squeak a couple of these close games out. But they're going against the Detroit Lions team where Goff seems to have refound his uh himself and is playing very well. Uh this will probably be one of the more entertaining games. Baker's and that, and that team is starting to gel, so they have some circus plays, and they have some big ooh-ah moments, but I think the Lions right now are just too overpowering for a team like the Buccaneers, who are a little bit inconsistent. So I'm going to go Lions. Can't, uh, can't hate it there. All right. Uh, let's see. Colt-Jaguars. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Jags-Bills game this weekend in London, England, but... Mm-hmm. They stun the Bills. Uh, it's not easy to stun a team that doesn't play or stay in the UK if you know what you need to do. The, the Jags have sneakily been on this huge, huge win uh, just trend, right? They won in, in London. They decided to stay the extra week just to get ready for the Bills coming. Sunday game. The Bills flew Friday. What the fuck? Like, you had all week. I know that you need to get treatment in and you can do meetings and stuff, but like jet lag hits you after like two or three days. Why in the world would you put your players squarely on day number three just to turn around and come back? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I was very happy to see the Jags win that game. Um, and the Colts are probably going to be without Anthony Richardson, who sprained his AC joint. So the rookie uh, QB is going to have some issues. He also has a lot of health issues. He's not really been consistently in the game. 
Because when he has, he got a concussion or he gets knocked out. Tim, you were talking about uh, quarterbacks like Lamar and some of the other running quarterbacks that 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 run them their way into indus- you know injury. And I'm almost wondering if that's what we're seeing with Anthony Richardson. Uh, it's it's kind of scary to be honest because I mean he's a rookie, right? And he's not been able to play a full game thus far. So Jonathan Taylor did sign an extension. He is back. I don't know. Give him the fucking rock eighty times this game and see what happens. You know, I mean, Gardner Minshew is a serviceable backup, uh, but I do not think that the Colts in a divisional battle can take it to the Jags, which is why I'm picking the Jaguars. Nice. All right. <clears throat> Wrap it up with Eagles-Jets. Um, this one's going to be an interesting game. You have kind of a, a Jets team that's starting to figure things out. Uh, they won this weekend against the team. I would say is arguably up there with uh, more in line with the Eagles in terms of caliber than most of the other teams that they've played so far. Um, the Eagles are 5-0 and on the season. Jalen Hurts is playing his ass off right now, uh, but there's, there's not a lot of separation in terms of, again, a lot of the statistical breakdowns of these teams. Uh, they obviously have more passing yards per game. Wilson is Zach Wilson is not Jalen Hurts, but defensively, uh, the Jets' defense prevents passing better than the Eagles do. So, um, I think the Eagles are going to win this game, but I think it's going to end up a little bit more uncomfortable than what a lot of people are expecting this to be. There's actually one I'm not. I wouldn't be overly surprised if the Jets managed to squeak out another one, right? Uh, a 5-0 team is bound to lose somewhere. Sometime. They just surprised the the Cowboys, and this could be another one of those fuck around, find out, and, and when you go in and undercut someone thinking that they're not a big deal, they may come out and surprise you. So uh, I do think this is going to be an Eagles win. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what we expect, and if next week we're talking about this as a loss – I'm not actually going to be all that heartbroken. I'll be a little bit pumped for, for Zach Wilson. I'm not rooting for a New York team as a New England fan, just to be clear. <laughs> but uh, just, just putting out the good karma. That's all. Eggles, that's what you're doing. Right? Yeah, always. All right. When you lose that, I'm going to be very happy. Um, Saints-Texans. Derek Carr. Throwing a couple touchdowns. Staying mostly available, which is the, the best ability, availability that you can have. Defense looks okay. Uh, yeah, Mac did give a pick six to the team, right? But the defense still did what they could to keep an entire offense from scoring the entire game. Yeah. The, the Patriots have obviously put something on film that two teams now have taken a look at. The Texans slumping a little bit. But this is sort of important because, as we mentioned, the NFC South is kind of wide open. So the Saints do need to start getting some quality wins here. I feel like this is a good place for them to do it. I do think with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara back, I mean, they still have a good defense. On paper, they are better than the Texans. They should win this game outright. And I mean like a 28-21 kind of game outright. That being said, I have a feeling this is going to be more like a 24-21 kind of game or a 28-25 kind of game because uh, I just I don't think the Texans can be held down that long. I think they made a lot of mistakes last week against Atlanta. They're going to want to fix that, get the run game going. There are some injuries there that they got to deal with, but. The Texans have confused a lot of people thus far this season, and I think it's going to continue here. I do think they're going to lose, though, and I think the Saints will pick up another dub. So, Tim, we got to talk about teams that we got to take some positive stock in, right? Teams that need that we need to give some flowers to, give some love to. We're almost a third of the way through the season here, and 
we talked about some teams, you know, a couple weeks ago. We'll talk about some other ones that uh, I think we really need to give some flowers to. The first is the Detroit Lions, four mm-hmm. and one. Okay, the only team that they've lost to is my beloved Seattle Seahawks, but they have beaten the Packers. They have beaten the Super Bowl champions. Okay, in a decidedly close finish, but they still beat them. This team is completely retooled and different. And when Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Jameer Gibbs did not play last week, I was like, oh shit, Lions might be overpowered. Yet Dan Campbell is thinking of the future, right? In a way that the Eagles are are saying we've got eight running backs and we'll make sure everyone stays healthy throughout the season. That's kind of what he's doing. He's managing his player snaps. And for fantasy purposes, you probably hate it. But Campbell knows what he needs to get out of this team. Jared Goff's playing the best football of his life, bar none, mm-hmm. since Dan Campbell came to the team. And that's crazy because he played under Sean McVay, who made things even simpler for him and had a, a lot better skill players until you know he got to Detroit. And now Detroit has a, a great defense. It's anchored by Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, he made this incredible, incredible play. The secondary is good. The skill position players are good. Montgomery and Gibbs are going to be a one-two punch that is going to te- keep people like kind of on their toes. Sam Laporta being the tight end that's breaking out. We got to give Detroit their flowers, man. They, they may play in the NFC North that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. That is, got, excuse me, a Kirk Cousins team that is not doing good right now and is going to be without Justin Jefferson for four weeks, maybe more. But they're doing exactly what they need to do. They're thumping teams. They put a hurting on Carolina this weekend. They could have taken their foot off the gas at any time. They could have done a 40 to 70, like uh, what happened with Miami and Denver. But Dan Campbell didn't choose to do that. He said, we're going to keep pouring the gas on the fire. We're going to keep getting players up. We're going to keep getting people involved in the game. I really do appreciate what this is doing for the fans of Detroit because I know they have put up with subpar football for far too long, and this is a great thing for them. I'm very happy for the Lions. I don't want to see them in the postseason, because if this is the way they're playing right now, and they're healthy by the time they get to the end of the season, they really kind of will be that team that Campbell said you know, on Hard Knocks last year. They're like, you can punch us. We're just going gonna, gonna to get up and bite your kneecap off. Tim, I just got it. That's what happened. The, the, the Detroit Lions bit your kneecap. That's why it's fractured. Obviously, I was there. <laughs> In Detroit, I don't know if they were playing in Detroit. Um, no. I'm going to pivot a little bit. Not okay. pivot. Uh, pivot. Instead of, picking, instead of picking a team, I'm going to pick an entire conference because for years and years, the AFC has been sort of the reigning dominance across yeah. the board. Uh, the Chiefs, the Bills, uh, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Patriots, all teams that have kind of ran the board in terms of success over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. But especially over the last four or five years, that's really shifted quite a bit. So the t- most of the teams uh, who are leading their divisions with the better records are all on the NFC side. The Eagles are 5-0, and the Lions are 4-1, and the Bucks are 3-1, and and the Niners are 5-0. and So... The quality seems to be shifting, and, and I mean, most of the second place teams in each one of those divisions are three and two. So three and two, three and two, three and one. The Packers are two and three. So that the NFC North is a little weak, but overall, the NFC seems to be the current powerhouse. Even though most of the love and and conversation leans more towards the AFC side, 
with the Patriots falling out of existence, the Ravens are uh, the Ravens struggling, the Steelers having some difficulties. I think Jacksonville isn't quite living up to what the expectations were. I mean, they're not a terrible team. And again, we're only five games into the season. There's still 11 more games to play. So 10 more games to play. Uh, so it's not like this is what it's going to look like at the end of the season. But right now, I think if you're, if you're looking for the next powerhouse team, we're no longer looking in the AFC. We've got to turn our eye to the, to the AFC. And I mean, the Cowboys, you know, if they... Beat, let's say they beat the Jets, they'd be right up there with four and one. So, I do think I do think that uh, the NFC is probably the the division or the conference we're going to be watching all season. I think the Super Bowl winners probably going to come out of the NFC. Um, but any one of those four teams is worth the conversation, and I don't think they're being discussed nearly as much. I know I just stood on the box saying I didn't think they're as good of a team as what maybe some of their records were. Um, still. They're they're leading their division, uh, and they're competing. You know, they're one game behind. They they played one last game, but they're a game behind the Eagles and and uh, the the Lions in terms of win losses. So, um, I think that's something to watch because I think that's going to turn into something. Dolphins might be the team that just end up smoking everybody. They're only going to get better as time goes on. It's really good. But for now, my eyes are solely on the NFC. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the NFC because a team in the NFC West, my beloved Seattle Seahawks, their quarterback back in the day, Russell Carrington Wilson, now in the AFC West, right? The Denver Broncos. That's a team we got to take negative stock in. Denver Broncos, yeehaw, what the fuck are you doing? Um, A team that has five wins over the last two seasons, a team that is one and four right now, um, lost last second because of a, a scoop and score. Uh, fumble by Wilson, a team that is under so much calamity right now because their new coach comes in and says, I wish the quarterback would stop kissing babies. Um, if you don't practice the way I want to, I'm going to make you run laps. Uh, if the quarterback doesn't do what I school? want him to do, I'm just going to give him a wristband. Like, there are so many things about the Sean Payton-led Broncos. I mean, just the bulletin board material. It's the worst coaching job in history about the Nathaniel Hackett, you know, 4-11 and Broncos. Bro, you ain't any better. You don't even have four wins yet. It just reminds me so much of when Urban Meyer made the jump from Ohio State or from the broadcast to the Jaguars and decided he wanted to bring this fucking rah-rah brotherhood, um, and he wasn't genuine about it. He didn't fly with the players. He, He had that whole thing where he was like away from the team and there was a woman on his lap at a neighborhood bar. Like Sean Payton has been through a lot of NFL lives, if you will, okay? He had Bounty Gate. Sure, he had Drew Brees. He got a Super Bowl. He got a... Uh, who's the guy from King of Queens that the meme is all about these days? Kevin, what's his face? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Not, no, 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 no. Kevin... No, uh, I know who but you're you, talking you, about. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. I, like, he got his own Netflix movie about the Saints. Like, bro, you're not in the Hall of Fame yet. Let's get over this, right? You pay the man five, five-year, $100 million contract you have tied your entire ship to Russell Wilson with his incredible, incredible contract. And thus far, you have nothing to show for it. And you're talking about openly blowing the team up, trading players. What the fuck are you doing, Denver? I, I pulled this up on, on Pro Football Reference. I thought this was, I mean, stats don't matter, but this is so interesting to me. Since they won the Super Bowl, they've had one winning season. 
2016 with Kubiak, the second year, 9 and 7. They've gone 5 11, 6 and 10, 7 and 9, 5 11, 7 and 10, 5 and 12, and they're 1 and 4 this year. Uh, Pro Football Reference also has top players by passer, rusher, receiver, and then AV or approximate value. And AV, according to them, is their attempt to attach a single number to every player season since 1960. Since the Super Bowl, okay, Von Miller. Four times the most valuable player on that team. Then Ben Simmons. Then Garrett Bowles, their offensive tackle. Then Ben Simmons again. Then Patrick Sertan last year. I, I'm going to bury the lead. It's probably going to be Patrick Sertan this year. It's not going to be Wilson. Um, their point differential has not been positive since 2021, where it was 13 points. They're usually anywhere from negative 20 to negative 100 point differential between points for and points allowed. It's breathtaking how bad this team is. And it reminds me of this, this curious case of Russell Wilson. I've always been a Russ apologist. And I have a lot of friends and, and Kyle and Hunter and everyone saying, Russ is garbage. He's got a couple years left. That's going to be it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And now I just can't get away from all the content. I don't know if it's happening because, you know, the Broncos are so bad. And everyone wants to release this stuff now. But like Marshawn Lynch on Club Shay Shay, where he's talking about how, you know, Wilson called him from a blocked number. Um, uh, the Pete Carroll and Richard Sherman podcast, the 10-part Last Dance series that the Seahawks released on YouTube TV about their championship team in 2013. All of this is just reminding me of that cringe fucking article in Rolling Stone after the Super Bowl where Russ laid on the couch and his little wife beater and was like, God told me I need to throw the interception. God told me I need to lead Sierra. I am fucking over Russell Ooh. Wilson. Note the date, October 10th, 2023. I, I get that Wilson is playing great football recently, but he's doing it to save the ship. I'm not sure that, like, he's not as rehearsed well, in, in his post game. Hold on, back up. I just want to clarify. You said he's playing great football, given what the Broncos are doing. Right? He, he is. He's. You're he's, stick with he's that, doing, right? Uh, yeah, he's doing okay. exactly. He's doing exactly what he can, and there isn't anything more you can do. And I'm going to say this because you're sitting down because you're not that guy, pal. I thought forever and a day Russ was an MVP candidate. I thought he was all this sort of stuff. And now I, I think I have to come to the realization that like Russ is that mid-level guy who might be on the back nine of his career who will throw three touchdowns in a game, but will also throw four picks. Okay, I'm not saying he's Tony Romo, okay? Because Tony Romo's elite, just like Joe Flacco. But I'm saying this is the weird, this is the weird place we find Russell Wilson in now, where he can win football games in spite of the team being bad, and he can also be the reason why they lose the games. And I, I, I had blinders on the entire time he was in Seattle. A magnificent 10 years, okay? Loved every minute of it. Very happy to be that, you know, that golden memory uh, of football. But the Denver Broncos are really bad right now. And I do think that when you have a coach that wants to openly say the types of things that Peyton's been saying, and you got a guy like Russell Wilson who does some questionable, maybe cringeworthy stuff anyways, it's, it's the right... Okay. All right, Tim. You know how hard this is for me? Okay. I'm admitting a lot of things that I've been openly arguing against for at least the past four years of this podcast. I'll, I'll pour one out for you. Here we go. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, we got to take stock in the fact that this team is likely going to look massively different on the trade deadline. And to be honest, I'm not. I, I've, I started, I said this to a Washington Commanders fan the other day. Like, well, you know, we can, we can win with Sam Hall. I'm like, you can't. You know who you need? You need Russell Wilson. They're like, what? We would never pay for Russell Wilson. I'm like, I know, but you're about to get it for cheap. Because I don't think that Denver is going to 
I mean, they owe him so much money. And there's dead cap hits after next year. So Russ is from just, Richmond, Virginia. I'm, I'm manifesting it right now, Tim. And before you ask the question, no, I will not become a Commanders fan if Russ is the quarterback. Um, I think I think it's just over for him. He had uh, he had years of uh, you know playing well, but I think a lot of it was hidden behind the quality of his defense on those teams. And I think it's just getting exposed now because you're not going to have another Legion of Boom. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's over. I think uh, I think his prime has passed him. The game has passed him, and now. Unless he lands on another team like, God forbid, like New England or something that ha- or or Las Vegas that has a stellar defense. Oh my God! If he became the New England Patriots quarterback, I would love it. I would love it because you would abandon your Patriots fandom. You fucking would in a heartbeat. You would. No, I wouldn't. I'd still hope the team does well, but I probably wouldn't watch <laughs> a lot of games. I probably would not watch a lot of games. <laughs> oh, that's that's where we're gonna do it. Tim, uh, give me a team that you think really bad. Very surprised that they're bad, but we we got we got a call like it is. They're very very bad. The Giants. Like, how can you pick yeah. anybody else with the Giants? And it has to do with Saquon Barkley getting injured again. And I feel bad for the guy. Right, running backs uh, seem to have a lower and lower shelf life as the game goes on and moves faster. Um, you see it across. I mean, we're talking about Elliot not producing. There are uh, like Hunt isn't even in the league, or is he now? Did he? I don't know. I can't even keep track if he signed or he didn't sign. But um, that team is just awful. And I know everyone's pointing towards Jones as being the reason why this team is awful. I don't think he's the only reason. It's another team where, and actually, I take it back. The meme I was talking about earlier was Jones, where his entire offensive line is chasing the people they're supposed to be blocking, while Jones is just standing there like this, looking like he's about to pass. It, They're just uh, top to bottom a disaster, and for whatever reason, Daniel Jones is the one they pin all of this on, and I don't think that's, I, I just don't think that's fair in terms of like this team's makeup. Um what they're capable of doing, what they're not doing. I'm looking through their stat lines right now. Uh, Darren Waller uh, is their team leader for almost everything, and he's only averaging about 10 yards a reception. He only has a total of 239 yards, which we just saw uh, a couple guys you know, put up half of that in a single game. So I just, the makeup of this team is is just bad uh what's oh my god saquon barley uh set barley saquon barkley guess how many yards he has on the season well not a lot because he's been out for like at least two weeks right yeah so, but guess probably like 150 41 oh my like total or just rushing total uh total rushing yards 41 oh my oh my god with his longest being uh 18 yards uh, receiving, uh, what does he have receiving wise? Uh, no, sorry, I'm mistaken. 114 yards. Yeah, I was going to say, running, I don't think he's... 41, uh, 41 receiving. Um, Matt Breida has 82. Eric Gay has, uh, 25. Then it's 19, 16, and 8. Um, there's just nothing. 
when I look at this team and the makeup of this team, there's nobody that's standing out. Nobody. And you, uh, he's played in two games. That means he's averaging 50 yards a game. Yeah. 58 yards a game, you would take. To seven. So he's, he's getting blown up every time he even catches the football. Yeah. And, that's, uh, and for Barkley, that's 29 attempts. Just, there's no production coming out of this, and everyone's going to point towards Daniel Jones as, as being the reason. Um, I mean, he does have 38 attempts and only 197 yards, so there's that. But uh, This but, team's a disaster. You would have thought they were going to be a better team overall. Uh, the differential between the teams, they put up a total of 461 yards on the season. Their opponents have put up uh, almost 800 yards on the season. <laughs> so uh, you're giving up all the yardage. You're not getting any yards yourself. Um, there's just I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for this team. Maybe we swap Mac Jones and and Daniel Jones just to see what happens. Why not? <laughs> that would be insane. That would be insane. All right, we're gonna finish this out. A couple things. I'm gonna do this thing. We used to do this back in college. We're gonna call it rags and roses. Okay. Rags is something that you're just like, you're really pissed off about. You're like, man, I got a rag for the fucking weather. Why is it shit weather? And you could do a rose for something that's like really good. Totally unrelated to The Bachelor, by the way. Totally unrelated. Because um, I, I learned this before I ever did any of the uh, of the Bachelor stuff that I do. On Right around the same time, he became a, a football fan. <laughs> no, this Five is college. Um, I, so I got a rag for Aaron <laughs> A Aaron fucking Rogers, his whole little manufactured drama with Travis Kelsey, they calling him Mister Pfizer on the McAfee show, and then saying yeah. like, "Oh, look, come on the show, let's debate me." I'm so fucking tired of him. I wish he hadn't tore his fucking Achilles. I'm so tired. Too much time on his hands. Too much time on his hands. Aaron, shut the fuck up about COVID. Nobody cares. No one wants to watch you, Tony Fauci, Travis Kelsey, and RFK Jr. talk about a fucking pandemic which killed millions of people. Nobody fucking cares, dude. Nobody. How about you be a good teammate? And I don't know. Provide some seasoning to Zach Wilson. Except sitting on a beach and giving the cringiest fucking episodes every Tuesday in the Pat McAfee show. And Pat McAfee, why the fuck are you even dealing with this anymore? Like, I get it that it's like ratings, but like, at what point does this not just become like Tucker Carlson during like mm. midday ESPN, dude? We are fast approaching, and I just, I hate it. Because he's like, oh, 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 and he just does whatever. Like, it's cool. It's a funny show. But it's running out of the shtick. And like yeah. his his ratings are great. Good for you, dude. But maybe not like just bring someone on that you know is gonna be like the my pillow guy of sports. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just maybe not do that. So I got a rag for Aaron fucking Rodgers. I got a rose yeah. for Barry Melrose, man. I wish you the best. Um diagnosed with Parkinson's longtime ESPN NHL commentator. when I think of, you know, knowing anything about the NHL, it's yeah. Barry. It's always been Barry. His locks, his accent, the way that he talks about it. I've learned more about the game by watching him than Stan or Greechy or anyone else that's on the commentating teams. And that's saying a lot. You know what I mean? So I, I, I wish him the best. I hope he I hope he finds some some peace and solace, really. Yes, I will piggyback off of that. Um fantastic, fantastic man. Um I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, played hockey with my uncle, actually. So going into ESPN, um, I introduced myself. We met, uh, and it became you know a, something we would just regularly check in whenever we saw each other. 
we would text message back and forth. Um, you know, I got, I got sick with uh, meningitis. He actually sent me a text and reached out, asked me how I was doing. Uh, but it's just, just a, the nicest guy. Uh, never grew out of his, his style. Uh, would show up on campus wearing the big baggy striped tuxedo yep. with, or, or three-piece <laughs> suit with the uh, shoes and the tassels on his loafers always had skulls on him. Uh, and his hair always looked forever wet. So never got over the 70s, 80s, uh, early 90s hockey look. Um, I, won't, I won't share any of the stories I heard on air because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll protect that little bit of, of, of life for him and my uncle. But, man, some of the stories I heard from those guys, the, they used to sit next to each other. Um, for a while during a couple seasons and just the stuff they would do to each other was just hilarious there was you know a guy whose jeans were cut into daisy dukes while it was the middle of winter in like minnesota <laughs> or detroit or something and they made the guy walk back to the hotel like that kind of stuff but um genuinely genuinely nice guy uh i feel awful you know that diagnosis is such a terrible diagnosis uh anybody who doesn't know enough about it there is a documentary uh about michael j fox on apple tv that is phenomenal i want to say it's called like shake or something like that um it's very very good it sort of chronicles his start his rise and then ultimately the diagnosis and where he's at now and it is truly a eye-opener because uh, he's pretty candid about it and talks about you know struggling and onset and all that stuff so uh, yeah. I agree. Shout out Barry Melrose. I uh, wish we could have had you on the pod. Um, we hope you're the best. If you ever hear this, uh, I'll be texting you and, and, and we'll be thinking about you. All right. Give me your rag to end out this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. Give me your rag, Tim. And it can't be about me. All right. Because I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, it's fucking dumb. He always comes up with these stupid podcast segments. I'm telling you, this is a hit. You're still oh, no. You dropped it on me, though. Um,. Can I do the Travis Kelsey uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, nonsense? Because yeah. all I see now and all sports media has become is just constant, it's me. constant, I, constant references. I'm Kelsey, it's me. Oh, my God. To Taylor Swift. <laughs> and everyone wants to know. And now she's posting about changing turf in, in stadiums. And it is too fucking much i don't care about who put them on the map and every i'm i'm telling you everyone has social media so if by now you're watching somebody filming their husband saying or their significant other or their girlfriends or whomever saying that taylor put travis on the map it is staged and fake now if they weren't one of the first five to get out there <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not buying it anymore i know i've seen the one where the guy quote unquote passes the vibe check and I've seen better acting in full house. Okay. <laughs> well uh, full house or fuller house? Because there's there was I never saw Fuller House. Oh, never saw Fuller House. Um, it but it's like I get it. It was a fun story. It is what it is, but it should have been a footnote during the games. And now Fox Sports, ESPN, Sports Illustrated are all spending so many cycles. They're reaching out to social media experts to find how his footprint has changed online. And, and good for him. Good for them. They found a way to turn a, a, a nothing burger into a story that's got, you know, legs. 
But holy shit, I am so far over this whole story <laughs> that there's still no confirmation if the two of them are even together. And I'm still no. He waited on New Heights. Did he? Yeah, he did. Did she? No, but I mean, are, are, are they like? I still, I still don't know if um, I'm still not convinced that this isn't just. Oh my god, this is funny. How long can we keep this going? <laughs> well, I mean, the social media numbers have certainly been popping. That they're telling us all about that. I just want to say I, again, I've watched eight seasons of Suits now, so I'm practically a lawyer, and this is fraud. Okay, <laughs> this is this is a way to inflate jersey sales and streams, yeah. and I do not like that the NFL is complicit in this, as is the Recording Academy. I will not be taking any questions at this time. But yeah. um, um, last shout out. Bruins NHL season has started. It's begun. We will make sure we do a couple quick hit, quick hits on those. We tend to be more NFL focused. It just takes that much more time. Uh, but we'll get some we'll get some NHL in as the time goes off. The playoffs for baseball have also started. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some great games coming out of Philly. Um, Bryce Harper. There's been this really cool video going around where. Uh, because uh, ESPN does 5.1 sound, they were able to remove the vocal commentator audio out of the game. So um, during the first game, second game, one of the games there was a grand slam that was hit. And to hear that in a, in a playoff stadium with all that noise and then to hit it, hear someone, the, the contact off the bat and then the pandemonium that took off in that stadium was one of those cool sports moments I hope more and more broadcasting companies pick up because in the moment when something magical like that happens, the last thing I want to hear is someone go, it's a horror, it's a grand slam. (laughs) Because the game of baseball speaks for itself the same way a long throw, catch, and touchdown does in the NFL. You you get all the emotion you need from the fans, uh, all the heartbreak, from the fans. Uh, this is one of those cool moments. So I hope to see a little bit more of it. But uh, Red Sox aren't in the playoffs. So I'm not watching. I know. It's true. It makes me yep. a bad sports fan. Uh, yep. But I'm here. I'm here for the NHL season. Celtics starting soon. Yeah. Getting underway. We might yep. be that team until about midway through the season. So we will see. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Stats Matter podcast. Again, thanks to everyone for the. Love and support. Find Stats Matter every year. Podcast, like, share, subscribe. Go find the drinks that we got. That's what's in our cup. And we will talk to y'all very soon. Peace. Peace.